Good morning. Well, it's not morning. I'm so used to saying morning. This is our first service of the day, but good afternoon. And we are few in number, but we have a rich feast of Scripture all the same in front of us. And so let's read the passage in Mark 4, and we'll read the first 34 verses. We will pray and then have an introduction to the book, and then three points. Mark 4, verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell onto good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... And here's a quote from Isaiah. They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces it by itself, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So here we have the word of God. May he bless it. Very good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this rich feast before us. Thank you for its goodness, its insight. It's it's allowing us to see into your kingdom. Here we have the growth of that kingdom. Here we have the particular way that it is put forth as seed. And so we ask that you would give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. That you would so move in us to be that good soil. That you would cause to avoid those soils that are unfruitful. That you would cause to be encouraged in the coming of your kingdom. So we ask for your help to understand these things. We don't desire the quips or insights strictly of men, but those which arise from your word, from the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus himself. For he has come as the great teacher to teach us all things. As it were, we desire to sit at his feet and to learn from him. Please make this such an hour. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we have uh, a question for you. How are we to understand the kingdom of God today? This passage, these are parables about kingdom growth. And in a day and age where so much seems to be confused, where the laws, when bad ones are put forth, it seems like many are happy. When good, when good bad laws are removed, it means they are in an uproar at the same time. When it seems that there's less and less of a biblically-based Christianity, how are we to understand the growth of God's kingdom? This passage will help us, I believe, with that very aspect. There was a uh, preacher, pastor, I believe university professor, W.G.T. Shedd, and he used to instruct young men in preaching. He said, your preaching must have plainness, force, and beauty. And one of the delightful things about this passage is it largely takes care of all three of those things. It's plain because it's the expression of plants growing by a seed being cast. Now, I don't have a green thumb, <laughs> and, but I can still relate to seeds being cast and plants growing and meeting these conditions. It has force because as this is a parable of the kingdom of God, it's talking about our inclusion into that kingdom. Are we those inside who understand and know and produce good soil? Are we those finding ourselves on the outside? And so it has that force, a force across our entire life and its relationship to the kingdom of God. And it has a beauty. There's a beauty in plants that produce. There's a beauty in creation. We just look out these windows here. We see a beauty in what the Lord has done. And so this passage largely has all three. Brief introduction to the book of Mark. It's a book of action. Mark is always saying, immediately Christ did this, and then immediately he did that, and he preached, and he healed, and he restored a withered hand, and 
And we find that uh, it's a book of action. His first sermon is in this book, where Christ said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. And I found that a wonderful verse just to kind of, again, re-solidify my thinking and heart on verse 1, on principle 1, repenting and believing. We find, especially in Mark chapter 3, just preceding this chapter, that there's a mixed response and opposition for Christ. He heals the man's hand in the temple, but the Pharisees, Herodians, and Sadducees, now they are plotting his demise. They are plotting his death. He's finding opposition. Christ is bringing forth the word, but the institutional church of that day is rejecting it. And in fact, many that are following Christ to the shore of the lake to hear him teach are actually risking the wrath of the Pharisees and Sadducees as they go. And it must be upon their mind, why am I drawn to Christ and his teaching, and why is there so much opposition to it at the same time? And this has to be a thought, and Christ, I believe, will answer that in this parable. He'll give them a, a, a key, if you will, a key to unlock all the parables, a key to unlock their thinking about the kingdom of God. And so it's interesting they find themselves in this situation that he will answer. And so what is a parable? It's been described as laying something aside, something else, for the purpose of comparison. So you have the kingdom of God, you have the parable of the seeds, Christ lays them side by side, so that by one thing that we are more accustomed to understanding, we can glean from that, even that is a plant term, we can glean from that into the kingdom of God. Of course, Christ says repeatedly in this chapter, hear, may we set ourselves to hear, to listen. I have three points. It will be a description of kingdom growth, the secret of kingdom growth, and assurance of kingdom growth. So that will be my three points. Our first point, the description of kingdom growth. These are in verses 3 through 9, and then we see Christ's explanation to his disciples in verses 14 through 20. And this is a public parable to all. But it does have a private explanation to the disciples. We see in verse 14, the sower sows the word. Here's the very first thing he teaches them about the kingdom of God. That the word is key. That the right seed is key. We know there's tares, we know there's weeds, we know there's other, other examples of elements that come in that are not profitable. But here, the sower sows the word. And getting that word is key. And as we think of ourselves and the kingdom of God, we have to be sure we are getting the word of God. Which is why I would say we anchor ourselves in the scriptures. We're going to have many thoughts upon it, and there's many musings about the scriptures, and they can be very profitable, by the way. But they have to be scripture. They have to be truth from Christ and according to his word. So we must be sure we are getting Christ's words, and we find those in the scriptures. Also, we see here, that Christ responds to them. And so we see in Christ's response, and we, we know from Matthew, that really they asked two questions of Christ. First they asked, why parables? That appears in Matthew, not in the Mark account, but in Matthew. And the second question is, what does this parable mean? And so that's the question we do see here in Mark. It's the question we see answered. So two questions they ask. And Christ responds with fruitlessness in verses 15 through 19. 
and with fruitfulness in verse 20. So we have at the same time the seed, the actual word of God going forward. We see a reception of it and we see a rejection of it at the same time. And I believe it's going to help the people to understand why are the chief priests opposing this message? Well, we're going to be able to... They're related to the soil that opposes Christ, that does not receive Him. Why am I myself drawn to Him? Why are these disciples drawn to Him? Why are these men following Him? Well, in this parable, they're going to say they have a reception of the seed that the sower has cast out. We see here very little should surprise us when we see the response of people to the gospel. Christ in this parable teaches us about kingdom growth, says you're going to see both responses. He even goes into more in-depth three cases of why the gospel would not produce fruit in somebody. And so none of this takes Christ by surprise. I remember being in a pastoral meeting where we were addressing a grievous sin in the church. And one of the pastors said, this is horrible, but this does not surprise me. And I, as a young, I was a very young man in the pastorate at that time. And that did surprise me. (laughs) And he said, but we shouldn't be surprised. This parable would teach us not to be surprised at varying responses to the word of God. But as we know our own hearts, we know inclination to sin. We know that there's an indwelling sin even in the believer. And we know these things can happen. And as we read our scriptures, we know they have happened even to men of God that have fallen grievously at times. David himself being an example. There actually shouldn't be much that... We shouldn't be surprised when we see varying responses. And I think his parable prepares us to understand kingdom growth in the same way. We're going to see elements that seems like the kingdom of God is going forward. We're going to see elements that appear the kingdom of God is not going forward. It's actually being rebuffed. Uh, And this doesn't surprise us. This actually is in accord with what we see in this parable. More on that at the end. There's a great encouragement, by the way, on the third point. But we're still under description. But we see the seed goes out to various peoples in various places with various responses. It's really quite an encompassing view of the kingdom. So Christ details the responses. The first case, in verse 15, is where Satan takes away the seed. He is always very active, and if he can, to hedge the seed, even getting out there for growth in the first place. He would love to snap it up. And so there is the response. Some people do not respond at all to the kingdom growth, the kingdom message. And as their lack of response means that that actual message is taken away, and there's no opportunity for that seed to grow. That's one way that we are unfruitful. Secondly, there is the case of shallow soil where there is no root. And here we see tribulation makes them fall away in verse 16. So we see what appears to be a reception of the word. Christ will even uh, further say they receive it with joy when he explains it to the disciples. But persecution comes, it's too much for them, and they fall away. So that, and that can be perhaps a very perplexing and surprising case to us as well. Here's someone who seems like they have taken in the gospel, but now they have put it aside. We see in the third case that the seed, verse 18, was among the thorns. And the thorns is that inward desire, the deception of riches, the world calls to them. And immediately there's something inside a person's heart that gets more attached to what's outside in the world than what the kingdom of God would hold for them. Um, I'm always... uh, 
very stirred. Uh, John Bunyan was a master storyteller. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know it. And his Pilgrim is on his way. I believe he is with uh, Faithful at that time. And they're on their way just before they get to Doubting Castle. There's Demas by the silver mine. I don't know if you remember this passage. But they're walking on the path, which is progress through the Christian life. They see Demas off on the side. He's in the front of the silver mine. And he's saying, come here for but little effort. You can have great riches. And so, I think it's faithful says, you know, let's go over there. We can, we can benefit from this. And, and Christian says, no, I have heard of this place. For people will come over to that mind. And I love this phrase. It's a scriptural phrase. He says, but the ground thereby being deceitful would open up. And so Christian, he describes that people go to the mind. Before they even get in the mind, the ground would open up and men would plunge into the deceitfulness of the solidity of the ground in front of the mind. And for me, that was always a picture that very much stayed in my mind. Uh, and part of it is that the deceitfulness of riches is like walking to that mind, falling in, never to return. And so they avoid that hazard and, and progress in their Christian journey. But that's what it is to be among the thorns, as we see in verse 18. Christ details also the fruitful response. We see that that response is those that hear the word, accept the word, and bear fruit. It's, it's very clear, and so we see this aspect of fruit. Maybe your mind rushes to Galatians 5, or the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We can also see that bearing fruit is the kingdom of God working through you. And there's many aspects of this in the New Testament. We see people gathering for worship as part of an assembly. Uh, This is the fruit of their life coming together. We see that uh, the kingdom through you is that which enables and rehears the preaching of the word. That's another fruit. It's a light before the world. And Christ speaks of the gospel being put on a lampstand. You see, the kingdom working through you is also our life. The kingdom, when we witness of the goodness of Christ with our life, that is also fruit coming through us. A good Puritan word, the fruit is seen by your conversation. What do you talk about? How do you talk about it? Uh, A very encompassing word for the words that come out of your mouth, the things that you're interested in, the conversations that you have with others are very telling about the people that we are. And even growth. Growth is also a fruit uh, that would be coming out of the right reception of the word. In fact, Christ even says, pay attention to what you have. For him who has, more will be given. This is an aspect of growth that he is speaking to. So we see these various descriptions of the growth in the kingdom of God. We see the cases before it. And there are many aspects that we can actually take these apply them to ourself in the ultimate sense. I believe the primary sense in which this parable is to be received is the ultimate sense, where is our life in these soils? When we review our life, where do we end up in these soils? In an overall arching sense, are we in the kingdom of God? Are we in the, uh, one of the soils, uh, perhaps where we shouldn't be? And then this is a warning to us, able to improve, we can then look at how we might respond rightly to the Word of God. So a very wholesome description, a description that gives you enough framework that you need not be surprised when you see how the world responds or when you see people in the church who appear to believe and then fall away from that belief. This encompasses that as well. 
when you see the tugging of your own heart for things of the world, uh, of, you know, of, the, of the poor soils, the soils that do not receive, it's interesting. The first one is unresponsive altogether. The second one is an outward pressure, a persecution coming to make sure the word, you know, the fruit is not there. And the last one is the inward pressure of our heart seeking things outside. It's very full orb as far as us being a child of God and seeing where the various pressures arise. And this can set, be very profitable to set us on guard for all these aspects. We can look at it and say, Lord, I want to give a full hearing to your word and place to receive your, the seed of the gospel. Lord, I want to make sure I'm driving my roots deep so that when persecutions do arise, I'm able to stand fast. Lord, I want to guard my heart and my affections so that I am not drawn off from within my heart to something that's in the world. Secondly, we see a secret to the kingdom of God. Secret appears in verses 11 and 22. These two verses are actually joined together by the word secret. Uh, And your your translation may even have the word mystery. And mystery is an interesting word in the scriptures. In the general pagan religions of their day, mystery was a secret practice, a secret code, something that was in, people would endeavor to keep it a secret. You were only to know it if you were part of the secret club, the secret organization. The word mystery is actually used very differently in its scriptural usage. A mystery was always something that was being revealed, something that was hidden and now is coming to light. Christ himself was prophesied in the Old Testament. And now he is being brought to light and revealed. Christ is taking this secret. He even says everything done in secret and hidden will be brought to light. And so when the gospel speaks of mystery, it's saying it's a mystery that is coming to light. If you remember 1 Peter, it says even the prophets who prophesied concerning Christ longed to know the very things that they were prophesying. In other words, they were speaking a mystery even to their own hearts. And of course, 1 Peter then tells us, and looking at these prophecies, how they are revealed in Christ, these things were said for you. And so we see that the word mystery in the scriptures always is associated with that sense of being revealed and coming out. Something hidden, buried as treasure, if you will, in the Old Testament, now comes to fruition as Christ is on the scene. The true sacrifice is here. The pathway of God, Emmanuel, God with us, is another mystery revealed. And it all comes forth in Christ. This is the secret. So, mystery is used very differently. In verses 11 and 22, we see the secret appears to be the ability to understand the kingdom. This is more than just about seeds and agricultural life. We understand this parable is telling us about something greater. And that what it's telling us, we can understand... We see that Christ gives this. Christ gives the understanding. Today, His Spirit, we know the role of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit brings to our minds the remembrance of Christ. It is said the Holy Spirit will lead us in all truth. It is said the Holy Spirit will convict us of judgment, of righteousness. And this is the place of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that is given to us. So the meaning is given to us. Christ does, we do see the word, so that... And very interesting topic. Uh, if you look at the commentaries, there's a lot being said on this phrase, so that, in verse 12. 
And so when Christ says, let me start with verse 11 and read into 12. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so the so that has been interpreted different ways. And it's part of the word usage that people drill down pretty deep. It can be seen as a consequence. You've been given the understanding. Outsiders haven't. Therefore, they don't perceive. It can be a simple consequence. But the, the context that Christ relates to is Isaiah 6. And the context is the people of Israel are now opposing and are in rebellion against their God. And so it even has the sense of being a punishment upon them. They will not perceive because they are already opposing the law of God in their day. So it's not a neutral, they just don't understand because they're outsiders. It's actually more even of a punitive judgment upon them because of opposition already in place. In other words, their heart is already opposing it. And isn't that a marvelous thing about a parable? It addresses the spiritual and intellectual at the same time. One, one commentator says a parable is just as much a test as it is an illumination. It does help us to see things, but it's also a test of the heart to see if it will be receptive of that truth. And so it's, the parable of Christ is masterful in that it hits us at several different levels at the same time. So we have the enigmatic phrase in verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so many believe, and I think this is a good rendering of it myself, that understanding this mixed response of people to the seed of the kingdom, the gospel message going out, understanding this mixed response is a key that will help them understand all the parables. In fact, some call this a parable of parables. Meaning if you understand that the seed comes to the human heart, it's a test as well as illuminating factor, and your response to it and your fruitfulness in it will give you a key that will unlock all the doors of all the parables that will come. So if you understand this parable, you're on good ground to understand the parables that follow. And so many call this a chief parable in its understanding. So what does it look like to be given the secret of the kingdom? It's to listen to Christ's word, it's to accept it, and to bear fruit. To not have this is to be on the outside. And so it clearly identifies where we are, what our need is, and the direction we should take. Thirdly, we have the assurance of kingdom growth. So I've seen the description of kingdom growth. We've seen the secret that Christ gives us understanding. Now we see the assurance of kingdom growth, verses 26 through 34. Two points. First one is, the kingdom of growth is inevitable. And this is a wonderful comfort and encouragement. The kingdom of God will grow. It will meet its full end, its full fruition. Uh, all through history, I mean, if you look at the stock market, it never goes anywhere in a straight line, right? To our perception, a lot of times the kingdom of God seems to wax and sometimes wane at others. And, but here we see that it is inevitable. Though it is opposed by those in Christ's day, and though it's opposed in our day, it will be inevitable. 
The seed is planted. It grows. We know not how, to use the language of the parable, but yet it is growing. It will grow to a fullness wherein it will be harvested. And so it is coming to our perception. It may rock, you know, it may go back and forth, but it is certain and it is inevitable. That's what this parable about kingdom tells us. The seed or the word will bear fruit in some. We see also, secondly, the kingdom growth is universal. And here the reassurance is that it is of a very great scope. Uh, The birds of the air, first of all, it's going to start small, like a, a mustard seed. It will grow to this immense size. Birds of the air will come in. And so it's a very robust, a very wide scope to that kingdom as well. So not only is it inevitable, it's also universal in the sense that many from various places will be brought into it. Despite tiny beginnings on the seashore where Christ was giving this parable, and despite massive opposition of those institutions already in place, many years, what would they say? The Jews said it took 46 years to build this temple. We know they were established in force at least that long, probably much longer. Even so we have the assurance of kingdom growth that it will come to fruition. So application, we had our three points, the description, the secret, the assurance. First point, get the word. Let us get the word. Let us receive it. Let us cultivate it. Let us root it. Let's protect it. Again, the words in this passage are hear, see, bear fruit, shine like a lamp that's on a lampstand. Secondly, pursue Christ. He's the one who gives the secret of the kingdom of God. We can look at where we are, where, and we should ask ourselves this question, where am I in these four soils? And how do I know pursuing Christ will be a great aid and a light to us, our own understanding of where we are in these soils? And then thirdly, Be encouraged. The certainty and greatness of his kingdom is sure to come. And all these are laid out in parables. All these are windows, if you will, to understand the kingdom. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such goodness. There is so much here in this scope. But the essentials are before us. Help us to take in the seed that you sow your gospel, your word. Help us to avoid the soils that are unfruitful, either by neglect or no root or cares of the world. Lord, help us to be that soil that is receptive, takes in your seed, longs after Christ, gains that understanding, enjoys the encouragement of a kingdom that is sure to come, a life that bears fruit unto you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.